It's Crystal here, your favorite hairy lady from RuPaul's Drag Race UK, and Famke Janssen killing a man with her thighs in GoldenEye made me queer. Actually, now I've said that, I think everything Famke Janssen has ever done made me queer. Welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer, the podcast that explores queer identities using the pop culture and personal moments that shaped us. Each week, I will interview a special guest who will bring a person, a place, a piece of music, a film or TV series, and a wild card that helps them understand, accept, or embrace their queerness. How do you like that? I really hope you're enjoying season two of the podcast so far. I have been so thrilled with the guests that we've already had. And I, when I tell you, we've got some incredible guests and more incredible stories coming your way. Please, 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 as always, help spread the word. Give us a share on your socials, etc., etc., etc. Honestly, it really, really helps. So thank you. My guest this week is comedian Cameron Esposito. Cameron is not only an incredibly accomplished comic, she is also an author, an actress, and a fellow podcaster. Her long-running series, Query, is an incredible podcast that also explores queer stuff. And honestly, her presence and interview style is a huge inspiration to me. So if you like this podcast, you will definitely like hers as well. Go have a look. We had a really great conversation. She made me laugh the whole way through, and hopefully she'll make you laugh too. Shall we get into it? Welcome to the podcast, Cameron Esposito. Hi, Cameron. (laughs) Oh my god, hi. Hello. It's just a pleasure to see both you and myself today on this computer. Yes, I'm delighted for you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> it's so nice to be chatting to you. I don't know about you, but my worst part of recording a podcast is that moment between like hitting record where you're like having a normal conversation and you have to switch into like podcast person and figure out like why you're suddenly speaking with a different inflection. Do you have that? I have, I gave myself, when I started my podcast query, I gave myself, like I, I always start every episode by saying, I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? And I will just say that is mm-hmm. really an amazing cheat for me because it's like, Oh, okay. Now you've got a script. It's starting. <laughs> yeah. It feels, yeah. it's a real action, you know, um, that I've built yeah. in because otherwise, I mean, I don't know how you've been doing this. This is impossible. The task you are giving yourself, you are clearly a superhero to be able to achieve. Or just setting myself up for failure. like <laughs> Either one. A full, <laughs> a full masochist. <laughs> um, so Cameron, actually how I do have a way I start the podcast, which is I ask my guests uh, how they identify and what their pronouns are. So we can do that. Oh, that sounds great. Um, I identify, let's see, I identify as Cameron Esposito. I identify also as gender fluid. I also like the word lesbian. I also like the word gay. I also like the word queer. Recently, Instagram took down a post where I use the word dyke. Ah. I use the pronouns she and they. Great. Thank you for that. So how are you? How's your life at the moment? My life is really good, to be honest. I don't know. I had a I had a very eventful couple of years, (laughs) 
where like even in the pandemic like i like moved i like sort of live in the mountains now but still just outside la and i got married recently i have a you sure did i sure did yeah yeah congrats thank you so much and i have a a very sweet little dog who recently had a titanium plate put in her leg because she got attacked at the dog park so within the last few months I have found out that dog orthopedic surgery exists. Like I'm telling you, I'm having like a whole range of experiences. <laughs> so I saw that I saw the titanium leg part of the story, but I didn't see the dog bite attack store part of the story, which is that's a much worse version. But I enjoyed the titanium leg part because that just sounds like she's a cyborg. She is fully a Terminator. She's also like yeah has to be sedated because she just wants to go run at full speed on three legs as if nothing happened, which is very relatable oh. to me. Like, that's how I've lived my life. Mm. You know, sit sit down, Cameron. <laughs> you Like, just go ahead and chill out for a second <laughs> as I go and run on a recent surgery. Like, it's not, this is not the way to behave. Right. <laughs> but also, I, this year in October, I will turn 40. And I just am saying that because this weekend I went to the Abbey for the first time, which is the, <laughs> <laughs> which is the like prototypical gay club. Uh, anyone listening to this podcast knows what the Abbey is. I think. Yeah. I just was like trying to catch like European listeners. You know what I mean? But never mind. Forget it. It's already, infamous. The Abbey yeah, is infamous. It. Okay. I'd only been one other time after a show. And I went with like a group of power lesbians and we sat like I they, we got like a giant long table and had bottle mm-hmm. service and did not move and did not dance. And it was a it was a it was an experience, but it wasn't the right. experience I just had, which is that I went with my spouse and we tried to disengage our eyeballs from the go-go dancers, but it was hard. <laughs> did you dance? Absolutely. But also Good. mostly, honestly, ogled. Yeah. Go-go dancers are very distracting. I actually prefer there to not be go-go dancers because I, it's like having a TV on in the background at a restaurant. Like, all I can do is watch the TV, even if it's sports. And I don't like sports. It's amazing to be able to register a preference <laughs> on that. Yeah. It means something about True. the life you've set up for yourself. Like, it's, it's positive. True. It speaks positively about the things you've manifested and brought into your life. Where you're like, where do I fall on go-go dancers? Negative. That's how I. That's how I would vote. I'm con, not pro. Uh, it's important to know where you stand on the tough issues. Absolutely. And you gotta you gotta register yeah. with your party affiliation on go-go dancers. Well, I, congrats on your Abbey excursion, but bigger congrats on your marriage. That's Thank really you. cool. I feel like I should also preface this recording with saying that I am a, I feel like I know you to a degree because I'm a big fan of your podcast. And I wonder, I hope that's not weird for you, for me to say that. But I also, then I thought, I bet people say that to you all the time. People say that to you all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's no, it's first of all, it's lovely. Like that makes me feel so good. And, you know, I've had like a weird experience, I guess, of life. (laughs) In that, like, I've been performing in some iteration for since the day after I graduated for, from college. That's the day I got my first mm-hmm. professional gig. And not that it's all been like Hollywood. It's, you know, it was live performance first. 
But um, yeah, a lot of my life has been people having some context for me. Sure. And I'm also like eating at a restaurant, you know, and it's like an interesting sort of like a sub liberty experience of life where it's like it's not like I'm not on the cover of of Us Weekly. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Does that still exist? You know where you got to check? Airports. And we haven't been to the airport in a year and a half. So that's why we don't know. But when we go back to the airport, we'll check. Okay. But yeah, it's just an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thing. Because sometimes you don't, sometimes I don't know who has context or who doesn't, if that makes sense. Sure. And I I totally understand that part of it because I've done like the TV bits as well. And like, I'm used. Yeah. And I feel like I understand the relationship that I have with people who I consume on television, but it made me realize that I actually feel like I have a more intimate relationship with people whose podcasts I listen to. And I've kind of, I've kind of crossed a boundary in my mind of like feeling like I know that person in a way that I never would by watching someone on TV. You know, I so agree with you. And here's why I think that is. And I'm curious as to why you think it is. What I think it is, is because since the person is in your head, you know, in your earbuds, we travel like that. The people that we listen to, they travel with us throughout our lives. Mm. So it's like, there's not anybody that I watched on television that was also with me in the bathroom, but like there are many (laughs) podcast hosts or like, you know, on your commute on an airplane or, or during like tough times, you know, I walk a lot. So like I'm walking off some sort of feeling and, and this, there's somebody with me. So it is a very like companionate experience. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's definitely it. It's, it's like a one-sided phone conversation, which, you know, I have friends (laughs) that carry those on as well. So (laughs) it's not really that different. Yeah. Yeah, Very well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're here on this podcast. So thank you so much for making the time. Me too. Also, can I just say that your hair is very cute? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I am in the process of finally, um, treating myself to the gay mullet. (gasps) I'm too, I'm too old. And I'm definitely two years too late, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm so excited for you. And I wish you (laughs) all the best. Thank you. Should we get into the things that made you queer? Yes, please. So every episode, Cameron, my guest brings a person, a place, a piece of music, a film or TV series, or a wild card that helps them understand or embrace or accept or question or any other word, their queerness. And you've sent me a gorgeous list and I can't wait to get into it. Person. So your first item is your person and you have said Mary Stuart Masterson. Absolutely. Which, to be honest, is a name I had not thought of for a while, but I am I was excited to revisit. I will say, I haven't, I'm not up on on hitting her googs, you know what I mean? I haven't been, she has not been in my Google images. <laughs> that sounded really sexual. Yeah. Hitting well, her googs. Meant, meant, yeah, I have not been getting into her googs. Um, because, so Mary Stuart Masterson, when I, you know, I was born in 1981. So like, it's the 90s, I'm nine, right? And then I'm going to like exit the 90s and be 19. What a formative set of years especially around something like sexual awakening and and gender Mm -hmm. identity um Mm -hmm. because before that you're kind of like an amorphous blob of a human and more and more information is coming in and when i was really little the people that i identified the most with were 
like effeminate dudes, to be honest. I'll give you an example. <laughs> Disney's Robin Hood, the animated fox. Oh, sh- there's sure, something sure. so I see that in you. Fay yeah. about him that like when I it's like, yes, that's me. Like, look at us. We're the same, you know. Thank you for saying you see that. Yeah. That really <laughs> that really meant the world to me. Um I, I'm, Robin Hood, that cartoon fox, I've asked Twitter quite a few times what made them queer, and that cartoon fox comes up a lot. It's a whole situation. It really is, because mm-hmm. again, it's like what Bowie was doing, you know, it's it's the the like Actually, thanks, Harry Styles, for giving me permission to do this now. But anyway, just to say, it's like I saw a lot of a lot of like effeminate men and then like that's who I wanted to be for Halloween or effeminate isn't the right word. But just what is a dandy? You know, I, I was a, I, yeah. I sort of was like a dandy. Um, and <sighs> then I saw the movie Fried Green Tomatoes and Mary Stuart Masterson in that movie. It really was such a formative experience and whoever is the child actor that plays her as a kid i don't even know who that is but they are wearing vests they're it's a sort of a tomboyishness that also you know again it's sort of this like middle bit this fluidity of gender Mm -hmm. and i was obsessed with her like such a massive not actionable childhood crush. I just mean like, like I didn't even, I didn't know what sex was or how body parts yeah. went, but I was just like, this person and I will spend time together vest shopping. And that's. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> so much love. Yeah. That's so nice. Um, that movie. I haven't, I, I have to be honest. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I didn't remember it was a gay movie yeah and i guess the book is super gay and then the film is like gay coded exactly i mean i haven't seen it in a really long time either but it is one of those it's much like dirty dancing is mostly about abortion right and back to the future is mostly about preventing sexual assault <laughs> the, the movie <laughs> fried Green tomatoes is mostly about a happy queer couple living together that's like right a lot of what is in there, they live together, they're friends, they get into, f- they don't have sex or kiss, they do get into fights involving flour, like the kitchen ingredient. Like fun fights. <laughs> yes. And there's this sort of charged sexual energy to that, that it feel it felt very, you know, I sort of think when we're thinking about like faux lesbianism, like the hashtag from porn sites that would be like mm-hmm. cheerleaders doing a pillow fight that's not the real thing the real thing everybody's invests tossing around ingredients for bread yes 100 <laughs> have you done that i'm sure I, like yes just yeah. just blanket yeah. yes 100 <laughs> i actually have thrown flour at someone before it was romantic right yeah but i also realized it was highly flammable dangerous oh no flower. <laughs> well that's why it's sexual explosive because yeah, yeah like maybe the, the danger <laughs> you know yeah totally yeah so they were they were roommates they were roommates who threw flower at each other it's they're really like life mates they were they really become partners it's just this like unsexed partnership i see yeah i, me- I meant roommates in in quotes i know but even that it's like this depiction is so much gayer than my grandmother saying saying roommates. Like they're like okay. life partners. I see. They're just like 
straight life partners. Got it. <laughs> it's so clear what's going on. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Very, the, the veil is incredibly thin. Yeah. So where are you in the world and how old are you and what's your, what's your experience like at that time? I lived in the suburbs of Chicago with my family. And um, my experience of life was that you know, I just felt like a little oddball. Mm-hmm. I felt I was, you know, see, I was really sporty. I was very running and playing in the mud, falling off of a out of a tree and breaking my arm. Like it's like just exactly who you would think. Like except I okay. except I lived in the suburbs, not like the country, but just picture her. You know, she's like mm-hmm. so muddy and dirty, and like I was Charlie Chaplin for many halloweens just like a classic i love that little queer kid yeah and was that being encouraged at home or was that how what messages were you getting my folks my folks accepted me the classic story is that i went to audition for a school play after school like i lived walking distance so i just went after school and then i walked home and um it was a play about christopher columbus this is at a time when white people would give Christopher Columbus a big thumbs up. <laughs> um, yeah. And so yeah. the title character was Christopher Columbus. And so I went to the auditions and was like, I'm here to audition for Christopher Columbus. And the teachers were like, what? And they actually called my parents. In the time that it took me to walk home, they called my parents and told on me. Like Cameron came and auditioned for the boy part. And we don't know what to do. And my parents said, was she good? And they said, yeah. And then my parents said, well, if she was good, then cast her. (laughs) And so (laughs) I will say at the time, my mom had these boots that were sort of left over from Pretty Woman being yeah. The biggest hit movie. And they were knee over the knee, suede, heeled, blue boots. Wow. And as a child, when I thought, like, what would Christopher Columbus wear? <laughs> but I thought, because you had to, like, make your own costumes. There was nobody who was, like, there was no, like, wardrobe department. So I wore... My mom's (laughs) over the knee, like I shoved them down a little bit. They scrunched down. Yeah, yeah, they had to be scrunched. (laughs) So parents, you know, other parents went to see this play where, and by the way, like I was just the titular character. I was not, most of the play was like a musical about, about history, but then there's like a moment where I walk like a man, it's like, it's like, it's like grade school gym that has a stage. And there's like a moment where out from the darkness, I stride in the shoved down <laughs> suede blue boots to be like, it is me, Christopher Columbus. <clears throat> I don't know what that experience was like for every other parent in the auditorium, but my parents were proud of me. I'm sure every other parent was jealous and they were probably all saying she only got the part because of those boots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She probably auditioned in those boots. They had no yes. choice. 
<laughs> oh my god. That is such an incredible vision. Yeah. I need I need to see that recreated at some point. I mean, it's just brilliant. <laughs> Christopher Columbus, but give it like an 80s prostitute spin. Ab- number one, absolutely. Number two, much like the ships should have done that carried those conquistadors over. Unfortunately, I think that that was a moment that will never be recreated because we will not yeah. have plays that yeah, have, have any more Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus. Yeah. And so yeah, that true. character true. in our cultural imaginations has already peaked. And it was at that yeah. moment in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know at the time. That is wild also that they told on you. Yeah. When you asked, it's like at home, things were okay. Mm. But home butted up against a world that really did not think things were okay. Okay. Gender nonconformity, like that was not going on. So I yeah. think it, like it is a bummer that they called. And it also, it feels like so, it's almost affirming that that, like, I didn't know that at the time. They told me that as when I was an adult. And it's almost affirming mm-hmm. because... I really felt like people thought I was a total weirdo. And I, and it's right. like, oh, they did. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm, I don't even mean it's surprising because it's not because um, I think every queer person has moments like that, but yeah, it's disappointing that it came from the theater department, which is supposed to be our <laughs> space. <laughs> you know, we're supposed You're to right. let the good people run those who like You're encourage right. that sort of behavior. Uh, that is so well said absolutely wow okay so we we've kind of gone slightly off topic from mary stewart masterson but is that kind of like one of your earliest queer awakening moments would you say yeah exactly so this is you know you're this kid you feel like you're the only one you know who wants to play christopher columbus you watch that movie and it's like oh boom there she is that's the other one you know so yes massive first time identifying with somebody else on like a gender level first of all and then also just yeah and then she gets to live with a woman so it's like yeah amazing <laughs> sweet and she's so gorgeous in that movie just like i watched the oh, trailer she's again today beautiful so hot she's beautiful also mary stewart masterson was all who is the star of a movie called some kind of wonderful that if you if you just want like to understand what i would look like to look like Look at those two movies together. That's my full wardrobe. That's everything that's in my closet. (laughs) You heard it here. Well, I love that. Let's move on to your next item. Film or TV series? Oh, I love this. Up next, we have your film or TV show. And you have said X-Men, the animated series, specifically the Southern Bale Rogue. My God, you're speaking my language. X-Men, the animated series, again, I feel like is um, responsible for an entire generation of, of queers. Yeah, X-Men is so gay. and The theme song alone. I know, and it's going through both of our heads and it's impossible yeah. to sing, you know, but it's I'm right there, you know. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I will say that it's interesting when they made the movies they like so fully leaned into this. Like they're like the movies are like, they're like mutant pride parade at the, you know, mutant wall in. Like it's like so on the nose. But um, at the time that X-Men, the animated series was on, it was a little bit more, it wasn't so on the nose, the depiction of queerness, but definitely it's like freaks who are also 
saving us all love it who doesn't love that mm -hmm. that's that's mm -hmm. absolutely it right um who are persecuted for being freaks but the but the thing that mm -hmm. makes them a freak is actually a special power love it professor yeah. x nobody has more like drag mom energy than professor x you know like he knows what you're thinking like he's he's always a little ashamed yeah you can live with him you know like it's like the vibe is so strong and then he has an arch enemy who's like just a similarly aged guy yeah who has fully purple it's just like different yeah. houses you know anyway but Rogue has that power also that we then later got to see in Frozen, which I think is a truly queer power, which is... Oh, yeah. I never connected those two. Yeah. Which is like power to kill people with your touch. I think if you are mm -hmm. a self-hating queer, <laughs> mm -hmm. a young self-hating queer, nothing rings so true as if I touch people they will be sucked dry of any life force or frozen to death. And so I think um, for me, just her like wanting, you know, she wants to be with others and she can't. Yeah. Totally. It's the gayest yeah. shit ever. Yeah. I always loved Rogue just purely for her sass and her strength and like gumption. And she was, she was like the no nonsense X-Men with like a bit of a bit of heart. I, I was always into Jean Grey who had the, she not only had a dark secret, but then she had a dark secret within the dark secret, which was that she was, you know, gonna maybe eat some worlds and stuff, go crazy. But yeah, that, that X-Men stuff. I mean, I basically was convinced most of my adolescence that I had superpowers that just hadn't awakened yet. And I was just waiting for them to happen. And then it turned out yeah, it was gayness, but <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's powerful stuff. Right. Oh, the way that those characters are also drawn and the way that they were outfitted, you know, very, like, huge congrats to the artists that worked on that show because it wasn't as much the, like, ass burst, the, you know, when women are drawn in comics as, like, this mm. ass burst depiction. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, the women are powerful. You know, Rogue is wearing a leather jacket with the sleeves pushed up. Yeah. It's very cool. I loved all of their outfits. And yes, they have like, you know, the big, big butt, big boobs thing going on that we see in comics. But like, I think it's, it was truly radical. Also, they were part of the team. The like women are part of the team. Mm -hmm. And there's also Jubilee. That, I mean, speaking yeah. of, again, of like queer characters, Jubilee is, that outfit is from the New York yes. City Dyke March. That's, I'm sure yeah. somebody wore that Holy. yesterday or this weekend. Fully. Fully. She became a vampire in the comics later on. So oh, like an extra did? level of queerness. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, it does. does. Yeah. The other thing with the X-Men is that they're a family and it's all about chosen family and... Absolutely. Yeah. And what you were saying about the, the way that they're drawn, I got into them in the 90s when Jim Lee was drawing X-Men and he was at least equal opportunity of like sexual objectification on on all of the characters. So it felt like there was something for me too, because the guys also had huge butts. Yeah. And you know what else? They have like a sort of a size ratio in the way that they're drawn that makes sense versus again, growing up with something like He-Man and She-Ra, 
like the original right. series, where He-Man is four She-Ra's ac across, like the size yes. of the, it, you know, again, you're like a little kid and you're like, you know, but I'm part of this too, right? Like I'm Mary Stuart Masterson, Do David Bowie. I'm like, you're equal, but then you turn, I mean, the, the giant characters that are men on that show, like Colossus, they are, it's part of their power. Like they're like meant yes. to be giant. Yes. And so, yeah, again, pretty radical. Yeah. So now paint a little bit of the scenery around this for me. So I guess maybe you're a little bit older and I don't know, have you started to reckon with any of any of your queer thoughts at this point? No, we're going to get there's there is a moment where we're going to get there. And one of the other um, things that I that I mentioned in my like list of moments. Yeah. Um, OK, and so this is all like. I'm just running home from school to be able to get there to see Batman, the animated series and X-Men. Yes. I have like no idea what's going on with, with me. I like just totally think we're all having the same experience. I've, I like have some perception that I'm different, but I also sort of minimized that, I guess, and felt like, you know, like had my first boyfriend for three days. <laughs> Devastating. Obviously, he broke up with me when I called him from the payphone at the pool. <laughs> He broke up with me because he wanted to date my friend Anna. Oh. And I taped a boombox to the front of my bike. And I rode my bike over to his house. And I put the tape to every breath you take. The sting. You did not. The sting stalker anthem. That's right. <laughs> I put the tape in the boombox. And I rode back and forth in front of his house. Oh my god. Because I was devastated. Were you intending to be ominous? I think I was intending to display my sadness. Right. In the most terrifying <laughs> way possible. I didn't realize. <laughs> I'll be watching you. So intense. Just, just forever. Every step <laughs> just forever. you take. Yeah. Every breath. Yeah. Uh, every breath. <laughs> Okay. Well, so a lot of feelings and a lot of, yeah, like you're, you're experiencing the queer stuff, but not necessarily knowing how to put it into a, into a, into its right box. I mean, Batman, the animated series you just mentioned is also an incredibly queer show. Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, I feel like are top notch queer icons. And they were so good in that show. Cool. Well, let's move on to your next item. Music. So up next, you have given your album or song, and it is The Beach Boys' Then I Kissed Her. Yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> now we're, so we're going to skip all of high school, where I dated men okay. and, like, thought those dudes were super nice and cool and didn't know what was going on. And then I'm in college. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's like a, there was this woman who... I went on a solidarity trip with because at the time I was very Catholic and I was doing um, mm -hmm. what we called service work, but I think is actually colonialism. Um, I just didn't know it. <laughs> right. And yeah. so we went to Kingston, Jamaica to build houses, but like as un, I mean, I was not a carpenter, so I was a pretty untrained yeah. person to show up. Best of intentions perhaps the worst yeah. of results we're not sure you know um anyway but that trip ended with a four-day silent retreat 
and we were at beachfront property that the Catholic Church owns in Montego Bay, right near Senior Frogs. And we're staring into each other's eyes with meaningful and silent eye contact for days on end. And then we got back to school and there's this one night, you know, we went to a bunch of parties to go see the two dudes that I was dating. And then we got back to my room and kissed each other. And it was this huge aha moment for me. And also this happened in the year is going to be 2002, I guess. So in terms of like what I could listen to that felt like it reflected the experience that I was having, I could not, I just couldn't, you know, it's like every love song, well, apparently was the song that a stalker would actually, but every love song, (laughs) I still think I like thought, I mean, this is a time I think as a country, I'm not totally sure when this happened, but I feel like like, did we still think George Michael was straight, like, at this time? Like, it, it just was, like, we were so <laughs> confused in 2002 yeah. about yeah. what was going on for people. Yeah. And anyway, this, yeah. this song by the Beach Boys, you know, since some she'll take me home to meet her mom and her dad. Like, I walked up to her. It's, it's like, a very, it's a very emotional song, but it also lays out a like future of possibilities for somebody who's feeling like yeah, new love fantasy. can lead somewhere. And I didn't have another thing to listen to that gave me that plan. So I was just like listening to, you know, Brian Wilson and the boys being like, yeah, man, this is the gayest. This is, this is me. Wow. Okay. I have a few questions. Yeah. Um, do Catholic retreats often involve silence like that? Cause I feel like that's just in definitely going to lead to gayness. Such a good point. May I also say as a side point that Catholic retreats in general are probably going to lead to gayness. Um, yeah, you know, I have been on a couple silent retreats. That is not, they don't have to be silent, but I, uh, but they can be, they can be very spiritual, you know, very like holy experience and very, yeah, very hot and heavy if that's what you're experiencing at the time (laughs) yeah seems like it would be yeah like really really horny kids or so romantic so romantic early adults yeah just pining and silent oh yeah really romantic yeah and so was this your first same-sex kiss it was yeah wow and it just blew your world apart. It did. Did you see it coming? Like, was it like a moment on that retreat? You're like, this is going to happen or this is what I want to happen. And it had been kind of a new idea at that point. Or was it like, I had been wanting this to happen for years. I think it's, I think that something that's different for people who are cultured female from birth versus people who are cultured male from birth, but then are queer is like, especially at this time, The way that like best friendship was represented to me in like Seventeen magazine or like movies is that like you have like a best friend and you like love her. So I always had Mm -hmm. these experiences of being like obsessed with women. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're a little boy and you're obsessed with your friends, people like tell you what you are people are like 
you know, very, very cruel. Yeah. And they name it. I think if you're being perceived as a girl when you're a little kid, you know, I got like a lot of weird feedback. Like people would be like really patrolling my body. They would call me like fat. They would call me ugly. There was a lot of like, I was definitely getting feedback, but it wasn't that any of my friendships were inappropriate. So this is a very long way of saying that like, when I was like staring deeply into this woman's eyes and we're like in Jamaica on the silent retreat, that just felt like every best friendship I'd ever had because I was in love with all of my best friends. Right. But it was like, fine. We just had sleepovers and like braided each other's hair. And it just was not clear to me that that meant anything specific. Right. <laughs> Very weird. And also you can you can talk about that kind of friendship at school and no one's going to be like, oh, that's weird. Like you, it can all really easily fly under the radars. Hundred percent. You're not going to get negative feedback that maybe makes you question in that same way. That's really interesting. Yeah, the negative feedback is not so shaped around yeah. sexuality. Like that's what's so interesting about it. It's like it's so sort of nebulous. And I and I don't know if this is still true, but another thing that's true is like it's like also fine to be a young girl and be like into sports and you know, wear Mm -hmm. like shorts because you're constantly going to basketball practice. And there isn't like there just isn't the same equivalency for um, a little boy who like wants to wear a dress. It's just it's just like not the presentation stuff can be patrolled in a different way, too. So it's it really was that this experience that like I kissed this woman and I was like, what? I mean, I've been having sexual dreams about women for years and was like, but we all do. Like, I just had no idea. So strange. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's really fascinating to me because I'm I'm now just wondering how much of my own understanding of my own faggotry was because of people saying it to me and me going, me having to think about it every time and be like, no, I'm not. And then my inside voice going, yeah, you probably are. Totally. Or like, maybe you are. Or like, what does that mean? It's very interesting. Do you think that that will have, do you think that's changed? Do you think that kids right now are having a different experience? Or do you think that's the kind of thing that just, that actually, how do you change that? I mean, we definitely shouldn't start going on calling little girls dykes. (laughs) That's how you change it. No. um, (laughs) I, here's what, here's, this is my impression. And like, I'd love to listen to hear from like, if you have listeners who disagree with this, this is my impression. My impression is that this hasn't changed. And so I still think that while like people who are being perceived as little girls might be bullied, it's not, it doesn't have the shape that it does for little boys. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's an interesting thing. That's the other side of that, which is gay men have a cultural some cultural latitude that I think masculine of center women don't have. Because as we grow up, women are commodified and in a different way, you know? And so again, not as true for people who are like maybe displaying, you know, gender variants or like gender nonconformity for trans folks, but I'm talking about like kind of your cis gay dude, like he still has male privilege and then on top of that yes we now have added to that a sort of like fandom around drag race and a fandom around queer eye so there's like there's this new i'm not saying it's like so easy and everything's fixed but there's a little bit more space it seems 
for gay men. I mean, even just looking where, you know, like our neighborhoods, like, you know, there's West Hollywood, there's Boys Town in Chicago, there's like Chelsea or Hell's Kitchen. You know, we know what the gay dude neighborhoods are <laughs> because there's money there yeah. that uh, is being spent because dudes out earn women. So anyway, just to say, eventually in life, some of this can be flipped. Um, and I also think that some of the reason that gay men gravitate to each other and to this like sort of central social life is because of this abject humiliation and like scarring that happens in childhood where like, mm -hmm. I think because it can be so nebulous um, for folks like me, it's like, we're not necessarily all brought together to decide our opinions about go-go dancers. It's like, we're sort of a more, a more spread apart community. Yeah. And there's a, a zillion other reasons for that too. Like yeah. child rearing and like earning potential, like zillion, zillions of reasons. But I always think it's interesting to talk about how there's, there isn't uniformity in the LGBTQ experience. Of course. And I think anyone who's under the queer umbrella can, you know, we all know that public acceptance has Im increased immensely, but that is not, it's not a, what's the expression? It's a rising tide that hasn't lifted all the ships. Oh yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not been equal. And like definitely gay men have been the ones who've had the biggest benefit and boost from that and other letters in the, um, in the queer umbrella less so. Um, yeah, I mean, I could get so serious though here because it's also like, isn't it wild that they're like, if you're going to call somebody, if you are going to yell a slur at somebody on the street for being gay, like there's just for being gay, there's one, you know, there's one that you're going to yell. It's not mm -hmm. like an equal opportunity set of things. So a lot of like women in the queer community, um, like we might get sexually harassed, but we're not going to necessarily get um gay bashed the same it's it's like a different set of dangers you yes. know and so anyway i just have so much compassion for the, ex the experience you were talking about about like being called a certain word when you're a kid that didn't happen to me and it's like wild the that you had to go through that and that we still know what that word is like that's i might get that word yelled yeah. at me now <laughs> actually i have um but <laughs> but yeah i didn't have your i didn't have your experience well, so how do you look at that experience now then? Like, do you see it? Is it something that you see as kind of charmed that where you're like, I didn't know. And there was like a positivity mm. in that because it was a slight innocence or, or do you feel like you've maybe missed out on something? Oh, that's such a good question. I'm not talking about being gay bashed as a kid. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> well, it is weird to have like all of my first experiences around like dating intimacy and and sex happen with people that I really wasn't attracted to like I really liked mm. the people that I had those experiences with but I was not into them the way that mm -hmm. I have been into partners since and that is that is mm -hmm. a very strange experience cuz it like shapes I do feel like I sort of missed, like, I wonder what it would have been like to be a teen and have been nervous around the person that I was like on the date with, as opposed to just like mm. friends with, <laughs> I don't know, or, yeah. 
Yeah, like palling around. Yeah. And I don't actually know really anyone in my generation who had that either in their teens. Yeah. It's like something that happened for most people, I think, around our age after high school. Isn't it wild to imagine that not being true? Like to imagine getting to start a different way? Yeah. Well, don't do you see those kids on TikTok? Yeah, you see teens on TikTok in love and you're like, part of me is like, my heart melts because this is the nicest thing. And the other part of me is like, just angry, (laughs) (laughs) irrationally angry because they're having this experience that like, I wasn't allowed to have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the greatest thing when I was in high school, I dated the captain of my high school football team and he was a very nice man, still is. And we were... Actually, we were voted class couple. We were very like noticeable couple because he was this big, big flexed out fo- football dude. And I was also a jock, but like super involved in student government. And I was the mascot of the football team. So it was like, all, it was, we were just very noticeable. And so anyway, we voted class couple. You were the mascot? That's right. It was a giant red bird. Classic, <laughs> classic story. You've seen it in every high school movie. But senior year there was this famous couples dance and we went like my friends were you know they were like tinkerbell and peter pan or whatever and we went as each other and i wore his football uniform to the dance and i had never felt more confident i have like the photos of me because it's like we took we took photos of as a group of friends. And so it's like all of our friends are there and they're dressed as like, yeah, whatever it is, like Glenda the Good Witch and then the Wizard of Oz, whatever. Like all of, and then we're in the center and I am kneeling like in like a sports pose and he is seated on my knee. And it is like the most amazing thing. I I look back at it and I, just to your point, it's like, oh, that could have been my whole experience i could have worn pants mm. to prom like i like people people wore <laughs> pants to prom but i i did get that one beautiful dance yeah well that's lovely that's a beautiful story <laughs> it was very cute and i'm glad you got yeah no we have to cherish those little moments don't we because we yeah you don't get them we don't get them as much that's right Let's take a quick break, and then we will move on to your next item. That sounds great. Wild card. And we are back. And Cameron, your next item is your wild card. And you've given Janelle Monet opening for Of Montreal in Seattle in 2010. It's so specific. <laughs> it is. I love that. Yeah. She wasn't even the headliner. <laughs> she was, I'm... she was, oh, this is like from a different time, right? She was the, she was opening for Of Montreal. She came out. This is when she was, this is like around the time of the Arc Android. So she was like, she was wearing that, you know, suit with the pompadour and she, Mm-hmm. came out she was looking amazing she painted a painting while singing a song and then handed it to an audience member wow it was one of the coolest things i've ever wow. seen anybody do. um and i just think yeah like what she brought 
into the public sphere, this like sort of glam rock thing that I had seen, you know, Prince do. It was so incredible to watch it be a woman. Actually, I don't know how Jan- Janelle identifies, but either way, it felt very relatable. Yeah, I actually don't either. Queer, though, I think. Definitely. Which is nice. Yeah, she's fam for sure. Yeah, what's your what's your queer identity at that point? And what's your experience like? I was I was in Seattle doing some shows and I was with my then partner. And I think my experience was just like I was starting to emerge as a voice, you know, as a as a person as a public person, as a as an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And I think to see Janelle taking up space and being herself and how successful that was you know like the audience yeah fucking loved it so i think just watching that at that time it was a huge it was aspirational that's the right word you know i thought like oh there you go that's it that's who to be <laughs> you know yeah i love that the culture has been lacking all i mean i don't want to speak for you but i feel like the culture has really been lacking a lot of medium famous queer women and them presenting people and we've done a good job of making a few women who are queer very famous and then there's a lot of gay men who are really famous but like it feels like the middle ground has been missing and yeah i don't know like we ha- we basically had ellen for a really long time well yeah and another thing that's true about like folks like ellen and and rosie o'donnell and wanda sykes is that they were not out Jodie Foster, you know, like people like that. Even I think mm-hmm. Queen Latifah is out as of yesterday, mm-hmm. um, officially. And like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not people had to do they people did what they had to do. But it's more so yeah, sure. It's also thinking about like that they got uh, over the finish line of being a household name at, you know, just at a different era and then were out about their life. It then becomes very difficult to like see well, what should my life look like? Or what should I be trying? Who, sh- who should I be trying to be? You know, what career should I want? Yes. Right? Like, yeah. even at the time, yeah. you know, that I'm talking about, it's like, Tignataro wasn't yet, uh, mm-hmm. su- you know, as successful as she is today. There were really, like, medium famous is almost not even the right word. It's like, whatever degree Ellen is, like, <laughs> like that's like, that's like daytime A-list. Let's call it daytime A-list. There wasn't anything below that. And that's like, yeah, like a zillion people um, in straight culture yeah. are below daytime a list, you know. So yeah, yeah. It, it it was that's it, there was just nobody, there was like nobody to look at because she already she was already like right. buying and selling thousands of houses, <laughs> you know. It's right. like okay, okay, I like I really appreciate that you came out, but like unattainable. I felt unattainable. Yeah. Yeah, you just need like even just a local touring comedian. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Like someone, someone just who comes to town. Anybody? Just anybody? Is, like, is there anybody? <laughs> and then they're going to another city, and then yes. they're going to another city, and another city. And you're like, oh, yeah. You can you can travel exactly. And do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about like drag queens have this huge emergence right now, where uh, in terms of like mainstream culture, you know, where mm-hmm. like my mom knows who you know what what's going on um but yeah at the time that i'm talking about although queens like didn't have it's not like they were like getting paid it's not like the rate 
was the right thing or anything but but you would go and get started at like a drag queen night <laughs> which yes. is very different than like as a comic getting started and like literally every person on the lineup or into that yeah. particular scene is a straight dude so yeah that's fucking rough shit was weird <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i saw janelle Monet and it was powerful <laughs> Yeah. Well, in that sense, maybe I'm glad she wasn't the headliner yet. Exactly. You know? Yes. She was not unattainable. Yeah. That's how it felt because she was like yeah. very, she was like, you know, she was, she had like a merch table. I went to see her. I did not go to see all Montreal. <laughs> I actually yeah. got love them left <laughs> during their set. I just was, oh. you know, and, and that was not because they made a mistake, but just because she was so good. It was hard to follow. <laughs> Love that. Okay, let's go on to your last item. Place. Your last item is your place. Lipstick Lounge in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that what TN stands for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wait, I know where Nashville is. That's where it is? <laughs> Never mind. Tennessee! <laughs> I just suddenly had that panic. I'm like, I don't know states. Yeah. TN, Tennessee, must be. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, sorry, we got it. Lipstick's Lounge sounds like it might be a gay bar it's a lesbian <laughs> bar and like by the way when i say that it's like yeah obs also inclusive like definitely would never show up at a turfy bar um but what's so nashville tennessee there is this bar on the in east nashville that is like owned by an older lesbian maybe there are a couple i think there are a couple couple a couple of older lesbians they do karaoke every night of course, because it's Nashville, all the people that are singing have like mm. beautiful voices. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the vibe is just like, it's a lesbian bar. There's, yeah, like there might be a couple dudes in there. There's like definitely non-binary folks. But the experience of going, for me, of going to a gay bar, which I love, is like that I am a tourist, right? Like, I know because I'm not like a straight woman that's there for like a bachelorette party or whatever. Like I know that this experience is not about me. I've performed in many a gay bar for men who didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> and there are just so few lesbian bars as the gay bar in general is dying out because of mm. the switch to apps and also the effects of COVID, you know, and we're like fighting to save these spaces. Lesbian bars are either even fewer there actually isn't one in the entire city of los angeles yeah i don't know if there's a dedicated lesbian bar in london either i don't know if i've been to one but but when there is one in the city and i i'm trying to think if i've been to one in london but when i've been to when there is one in a city i try to go if i'm touring there mm. just because it's like incredibly cool so yeah anyway the lipstick lounge is not only a lesbian bar but it is the only one that is around for hundreds of miles. So the people that are there have driven there, mm. like made this huge effort to be around community. And when I went for the first time, I had a bunch of friends who are actors, touring musicians, like people who are out in the world a lot. And they all told me to go after a show. And usually I wouldn't really want to go to the to um or i'd feel nervous to go to the lesbian bar after a show because even though i want to go i just don't want everyone to be feel weirded out that i'm there 
like because probably a lot of the clientele was just in my show um yeah but when i showed up at the lipstick lounge the vibe was like so good and i was going through a divorce at the time i was feeling kind of alone and isolated on the road and i showed up and people were so normal they were so excited to see me and also i love to do karaoke and they let me do duets with them which was so fun oh my god and i honestly had one of the best nights i've ever had showing up to a bar alone you know or showing up to any social event alone it was incredible yeah that sounds that sounds like magic what did you sing like what is it called it's like maybe like it's like put your picture away what is that song it's it's a duet between kid rock and cheryl Crow. yeah yeah i think it might be called put your picture away yeah <laughs> i know the one you know the one um yeah and i sang something else too i can't remember but that was the one that really was like that was the first one that i sang and it was such a dream i love that i know what you mean about turning up to a venue you don't want you don't want people to think you're there for like a little bit of post show adoration or like oh absolutely or that you want uh, yeah be, to be adored or to be just separate i guess you know i just wanted to be part yeah. of the, i'm like yeah. i want to be part of the team and i really i really got to be part yeah, of the team exactly. it was incredible so beautiful yeah i love that i think that's a beautiful way to to wrap out your items it's like the last thing that made you queer is um a bit of modern queer community yeah that's right at a tough time like a, a place of solace yeah absolutely love that Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Cameron. Before you go, will you play a quick game of But Is It Queer yeah, with me? Yeah, yes. 100%. Can't wait. Okay, so I'm going to give you something, and then you're going to give me something. We're going to decide if they're queer or not. We'll go back and forth a couple okay. times. Um, I just think that people need to know if these things are queer or not. But is it queer? Bath bombs. No. That's like the straightest thing in the world. I think so, too. Okay. Phew. Now I give you one. Yeah. yeah give me one. Small dogs. <laughs> uh, I think it really just depends on the dog. I don't want to, I don't want to queer or not queer <laughs> a living creature. I don't know. <laughs> I've known, <laughs> I feel like I can picture a lot of really straight small dogs, but I can also picture a lot of queer small dogs. Right. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Um, I say queer. Like to me, the number of the number of queer people I know who have like five small rescue dogs, like too many. Yeah. You know, because I think I think a yes. lot of energy is given to the the gayness of the cat. You know, like cats. Yes. That's pretty gay. Yeah. But like, I don't think we talk enough yeah. about how numbers of animals really. <laughs> also right. indicates I see. queerness and i just feel like i know a lot of people that have many small dogs yeah but then i feel like we're erasing large dogs from the queer equation because i can picture some very very queer big dogs you're so right but you might be you might you might be onto something that like there is an inverse correlation of like the smaller the dog the queerer you get to me like i think it's it's it just feels this just feels very true that the smaller the dog okay i'll give it the to gayer, you yeah the parent. small small dogs queer yeah but is it queer uh going to the movies going to the cinema 
No, honestly, all I go, no, I don't think so, which sucks. I fucking love going to the movies. But all I can think of when you ask that is the gay seat, is about the gay seat. You know what I'm talking about? The gay seat? <laughs> What's the gay seat? It's when two guys go to a no. movie together and they sit in three seats because they leave the seat between them in the middle open because that's the gay seat. Oh my God. Yes, I, that, just, yes. I didn't know it was called that. But I, I just, can I don't it, know that it is. And now I, now I never want to go to the movies ever again in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. Then nothing could be more straight than that. And they're probably watching Fast and the Furious. Okay. Yeah. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Lap swimming. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really queer. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But mostly because I, like the pool by my house is just full of queers. Yeah, okay. Yes. Maybe that's, may, it might be like I have a distorted perception, but I'm just like, I feel like it's like a dedication to a pointless cause that oh my God, that's so queers funny. are good at. <laughs> Single-minded determination with l zero productivity. That is, that's right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And if that isn't queer, I don't know what is. Also taking care of your joints, very queer. You know what I mean? Like a low impact. Oh, yes. Like a yeah. low impact exercise. Yeah. Bone health. Yeah. <laughs> so queer. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. We've decided those things are or are not queer. We did it. Cameron, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you and how can they support you and what can they do for you? Oh, that's lovely. Well, um, they can listen to my podcast, Query. Or they can find me at Cameron Esposito on on any of the socials. And I'm also doing I'm doing one show in Los Angeles on July 18th, and then two shows in New York on the 26th and 27th of July. And that's my full of of August. Thank you for that follow up question. And then that okay. is my full summer tour. I've never gone on a two city tour, and one of them is the city where I live. But we really have to say it's wonderful to be back in the world and to be able to do any cities at all. Yeah, we'll take what we can get at this point, yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> well, good luck on your mega, I mean... My huge North American tour. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's bi -coast, It's a bi-coastal tour, so... Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the spin. <laughs> and, yeah, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I love hearing your stories, and um, it was great to meet you. It was so nice to talk to you, and thanks for being such a sweetheart. Thank you to Cameron and thank you to you for listening to this week's episode of The Things That Made Me Queer. Please go forth and spread the word, help get this podcast out there. I would really appreciate it. Thank you in advance. And um, please also tweet me the things that made you queer using the hashtag the things that made me queer or just DM me or whatever. And I will share them on a future episode. Um, seriously. Go do it, like right now. <laughs> Thank you again for listening, and until next week, I've been Crystal. Stay sparkly, transparent, and cheap. Oh, and queer, of course. Our theme song is Something Like Summer by Boy. The Things That Made Me Queer is a World of Wonder production. <laughs> <laughs>